You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, so moving on to our next topic, Daryl, we're going to be talking about improvements to cricket and how the game could get better. I've chosen three areas of the game that badly need some improving, and it would be good to get your umpire's perspective on these areas that need to be improved. The first one is overrates, Daryl. It's been a big problem for years. It must have frustrated you in your time as an umpire when teams don't bowl their overs in the allotted time. Yes, I, I felt like a school teacher at times. Oh, actually, yes, that's because I was a school teacher. I felt like a school teacher rounding up the kids, getting them into the classroom. Um, yeah, reminding the players constantly that they were one over or two overs or three overs down. Um, fi- the fine system doesn't seem to work. Um, I think a, a system of penalty by runs um, would be much more efficient, much more effective. Um, I've always wondered who play- pays those fines anyway. Uh, I don't know whether it comes out of the players' pockets, but um, I've noticed on many occasions that um, players will be prepared to accept a fine if it means that they've got a better chance of winning the game. Uh, so the game doesn't come first. It's really uh, a matter of the result being more important than the way they play the game. So, yeah, spirit of cricket something that's always been uh, close to my heart. And uh, I do like to see teams making an effort to abide by the playing conditions. And, you know, the overrates, it's, it's not, a, not a big demand. When we look back at the old days in the 50s and 60s, they're bowling eight ball overs. And they were bowling many, many more deliveries in a day than they are now. Um, so there's really no excuse. Uh, I think players have been uh, given, you know, very light treatment, light penalty for slow over rates. And uh, the people pay, pay their money. They want to come and see some action. Let's go and entertain them. I think that's what should happen. Absolutely. Well, the ICC requires teams to bowl 15 overs per hour in test matches in the playing conditions. In ODI matches, it's 14.28 overs per hour. And in T20s, it's 14.11 overs per hour. Do you think those are unreasonable and that's why we're not achieving those targets? Do you think that needs to be changed as well in the playing conditions from the ICC? No, definitely not unreasonable. Do you realise that uh, uh, the players also get allowances for drink breaks? Uh, Yes, I was about to mention that. Yeah, allowances for... Drinks and wickets. So in a, serious in a, injuries and wickets and drinks breaks and let's say let's say in a day's play eight wickets fall two minutes per wicket that's sixteen minutes and three drinks breaks are taken there's another twelve there's twenty eight minutes so the players can uh, they've got twenty eight minutes they they can use up after stumps just to break even and they still can't manage to do that so if a game goes from eleven to six. It suddenly goes from 11 to 6.30 and they're still only breaking even. Well, um, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's quite ludicrous. They, they, they get the time allowances for, as you say, injury. Well, that's, that's something that's going to prevent them from bowling. So no problems with that. But, you know, a quick drinks break. Um, players are pretty quick at changing over. They don't get those allowances when they play the limited over games. Those uh, two minutes, you know, that's limited to the test cricket. So... Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a matter of making it easier for them, and and I think they've just slipped into you know, bad habits. That's right. Also, umpire referrals as well take up time. Uh, yep. Running out stumpings, DRS, that takes up time. So there, 
been given allowances for that. Um, as you said, fines and suspensions haven't solved the problem. Yeah. It doesn't really take a big dent or a chunk out of the player's bank account because they earn a lot yeah. of money. So the ICC have been doing that for years and it hasn't solved the problem. Uh, the MCC suggested in 2019 that a shot clock would be the best option in between overs. And if they go over that, then a, a run penalty. Um, so that could work as well. For the World Test Championship, they're deducting points for every over that the team is over the over rate or under it. Um, so, Daryl, what do you think the ICC should do in improving over rates? And for those who don't know, how do the over rates get calculated? Well, they get calculated at the end of the day. Actually, the, the referee is constantly calculating them to, to feed through, and, and the third umpire is constantly calculating them to provide a number on the scoreboard for the players to look up, glance up and see whether they're ahead or behind or whether they're square. So it's a constant calculation. Uh, it's not that difficult. It's minutes out on the field, less the allowances divided by uh, however many minutes they have per over. So uh, it's not a tough calculation, but it just seems to be a tough calculation to achieve on the field. And uh, captains are constantly harassed by the umpires. And it's something the umpires just you know, they just don't need that extra hassle. I mean, it's up to the players to keep the game moving. The umpires shouldn't really have to round them up like a sheepdog. Absolutely. The, the other thing is that people say the umpires are not pushing the issue with the uh, players. They're saying they're, they're doing nothing at all, but that couldn't be further from the truth. They're always reminding the captains every over or every ball that, you know, you've got to get up and bowl your overs. Yeah, pushing the issue. I mean, what can the umpire do? Mm. Go over and get the captain in an arm lock twist his arm behind his back. I mean, you're appealing to someone's better judgment. He is a professional. We are talking to the captain. If he can't respond to a verbal request, uh, I'm not sure what the umpire's next step would be. Uh, maybe a kick in the backside, perhaps, would you suggest? <laughs> yeah, to get their overs <laughs> bowled quickly. But at the end of the day, as you said, the players just need to take that responsibility. You know, yeah. cut out the unnecessary delays. Batsmen running you know, getting drinks and gloves when it's not a drinks break, 12th and 13th, man, just cut that out and just get on with it. Well, People just not want to cut it out, it. Just, just reduce it and manage it and make sure it's done at the fastest possible speed. It's very rare that you see the game held up while people are waiting for the umpires to get in position. The umpires get there, they're ready to go, and it's always the players that cause the delay. So they're the ones that got to sharpen up their act. Absolutely. Another area... Daryl, that's frustrating for fans and umpires at times is bad light and weather. You don't want that to happen as an umpire. Take out the light meter and take a reading. Or when it's rain, obviously, mopping up the outfield with the ground stuff. And, and obviously, that causes a delay in the game. Yep. Um, let's talk about bad light first, Daryl. That's been controversial. Um, people can't get their heads around that in a test match, you can use the lights. But once the artificial light takes over, then the players are off the field. Uh, people can't get their heads around that. Um, back in your day, it used to be the batsmen who were offered the light. Now it's the umpires who make that decision. Sure. Um, the playing conditions say that umpires can use light meters to determine the quality of light. And that reading is the benchmark for the whole test match. Um, there seems to be a lack of communication when it comes to that, Daryl, that we don't know what the reading is because we don't have that communication 
um, between the fans, the media, what the umpires are actually looking at when, when it comes to a light meter reading and determining whether the, the light is fit to play or not. People have said we, we should start earlier, cut down the time for intervals so we can get through the overs, use a pink ball and just play through the light, uh, leave it up to the players to determine rather than a machine, than the light meter. Because the players are playing, let them determine if the light's safe or not instead of a light meter. Um, because I don't think test cricket's doing itself any favours because if you want to make test cricket popular and attract to the fans all over the world, let's try and get as much cricket in as we can. Because you often see a captain, the umpires come together and say, well, the light's a bit iffy. And like in this series between England and India, Joe Root wanted to bowl his quicks. But he said, no, bowl your spinners. If you bowl your quicks, we're going off because of bad light. And, and that frustrates the fans, Daryl. So as an umpire, talk us through the process when it comes to dealing with bad light and what sort of a reading you're looking at to be determined as dangerous with the light meter. Because we don't know what sort of reading that the umpires actually take, like what sort of number or figure. I can see you're extremely confused. Um, for a start, there is a variety of uh, types of light meters that you can you can use. So there's no point in nominating a particular level of light that is appropriate across the board because different light meter will give you a different reading standing in the same position. Um, generally speaking, um, the light will be brighter at one end than the other. So I was often asked why, why I had bowled an extra over at one end and came, and came off at the end of the over instead of halfway through the over. And the reason was usually because that end was illuminated better than the opposite end that was coming in dark with clouds. So uh, one end was towards the end of the, a day's play. One end is usually better for seeing than the other. Um, I, I quite like the, uh, the idea that there is a bit of controversy about this because uh, it, it adds a bit of color to the game. Um, I mean, I suppose the umpires could hold up their light meter or, or have a series of cards in their pocket and they could raise the, 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 the card that tells them exactly what the light meter reading is at the time. That would, that would be a, an extra addition to a bit of excitement for the game. But um, it's got to be based on player safety and that's generally the, you know, the concern. Umpires will go off when they feel that it is dangerous to continue. And obviously, with a slow bowler, it's less dangerous than if a quick bowler is charging in and bowling at twice the speed or half the speed again. So uh, I don't know that it's as big an issue as, as you've probably suggested, but um, at the moment um, it's, it's handled in reasonably you know, regular fashion. Um, if you want to find out what the, uh, the, the accepted level is, then you know, perhaps that could be something that would be transmitted through the... Uh, uh, through the commentary, or through the third umpire of the commentary. I mean, if, if that helps, um, maybe then one day there'll be a system where there'll be a, uh, a light meter uh, that is uniform and, and, and fitting um, and can be displayed at the ground that transmits the uh, score registered by the light meter held by the umpires in the middle. Because uh, standing at one end, you're going to have a different reading to standing at the opposite end. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, an interesting issue, but um, I don't think it's uh, insurmountable. And it adds a bit of discussion to the day. It's always yeah, a bit it, controversial it if, you, 
but the thing is that people just want to see more cricket and they're just saying well the yeah. light's not bad you know but on on tv it looks a bit brighter than it actually does at the ground oh, on tv different. it's enhanced incredibly it's uh, it's like two different days uh, you can you can be standing out in the middle it's quite gloomy and as a third umpire you're watching and it's quite bright um, I guess that's the enhancement that comes through the quality of um, camera work, um, camera and, and the, that's the technology uh, taking over for you. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to get a solution on that one, Jack, not today. No, <laughs> but um, yeah, well, it's always going to create debate, as you said, but you need that in the game, I suppose. You need to yeah. have opinions. Exactly. Um, the other thing is weather in terms of rain delays and getting the game started. Yeah. Now that's frustrating as an umpire when you have to, you know, get the game going again. People have complained, Daryl, fans especially, that there's a lack of urgency in test cricket to get the game started. Whereas in ODIs and T20s, there's more urgency because it finishes in one day. Whereas in test matches, you just say, oh, we've got another few days. We just call the day off. In the test match at Trent Bridge between England and India on the last day, it rained and they called the game off mid, mid halfway through the day and it was bright sunshine at the end of the day and people were saying, hang on, how come you called it off but it stopped raining as bright sunshine? We could have got out there and get some play. So people are frustrated with that, Daryl. Um, so talk us through as an umpire, what's the process that you have when you are going to do a restart uh, inspection, what you're looking at, and what's the communication between you and the ground staff um, there as an umpire and with the ground staff when getting the game back on? Sure. Well, first of all, it never bothered me whether it was a 50-over game or a test match. I, I would still have the same urgency to get things happening. Um, didn't matter what, which format we were playing. But uh, as soon as uh, the rain would stop uh, or ease we would, as the umpiring team, we'd be in touch with the groundsman. Uh, it might be through a walkie-talkie, it might be through just through a phone. Um, we would know and have a good relationship with the ground staff. We would get the word out, you know, how long's, how long's it going to take before it's playable? The ground staff will always give us a number and then we work on that and do our calculations accordingly. Um, we try not to waste any time because the longer it takes, the longer we're going to be at the ground. It's a little bit like doing overtime. If you can if you can avoid overtime, you do. Uh, you just want to get things happening and get the game resolved. I seem to recall a couple of years ago at the BBL final, I think it might have been BBL, we're going to say eight, um, there was very little chance uh, of a game being played between the Sydney Sixers and the Melbourne Stars, I think it was, in the final. In fact, we were all summoned to the ground, Sydney Creek ground, on the afternoon of the final, final was probably going to be played at about seven. We were down there at about three. And one of the options was that we just abandoned the game. Um, that would have saved a lot of money. Uh, the, the telecast um, set up would have um, been dismantled and they, everyone would have moved on. There would have been another um, uh, program shown at that hour. It would have been disappointing, but the forecast was so miserable that it looked like that was probably inevitable that we would get washed out. Um, the umpires and myself were quite adamant that as long as there was a window of opportunity that we could get a reduced overs game in if necessary, uh, we wanted to, to try for that. As it turned out, we had a reduced, I think it was a 12 over game. It was raining prior to the first over. It was raining within, I'm going to say 10 to 15 minutes of a starting because it was just a little mop up done 
We got the game started, uh, had the 12 over innings. Uh, during the interval, it was raining. Uh, the ground was covered, pitch was covered, obviously the ground was covered. Um, and then we restarted when the rain stopped. I think we might've only needed eight or nine or 10 overs of the second innings. I can't recall precisely. And as soon as the players were beginning to walk off with the game concluded, it poured and it rained and it rained and rained throughout the night. So there was a miraculous little window that we got that game in. Now, that's the sort of urgency that umpires have. They always want to get the game started if it's at all possible, but it depends on the ground staff and how quickly they can get cleaned up. Um, it may seem as if uh, uh, the umpires are disinterested, but there's always a good reason why there's inactivity out on the ground. And that's usually that the rain is still falling or you know, perhaps it's uh, just far too dark to resume play. Absolutely. Um, you always have the best of intentions. Yeah, that's right. Um, but with that test match I mentioned in England, uh, is it a regulation thing? You have to start the game at this time. Otherwise, if we don't, then we have to call it off. Is that what happened um, there in that case? Well, ten, I, I've actually been 10 years since I've umpired a test. So I'm not sure what those regulations would say, but I would assume that the the ground was probably so heavily waterlogged that even if the pitch was suitable to be played upon, it would have been dangerous for the fieldsman to be running around on a, on a soggy outfield. Uh, I, I, would, I, would, I don't know the circumstances, but I could imagine that happening. Yeah. yeah. So I think just people are just frustrated with that, that's all. But, you know, rain's going to happen, these delays are going to happen. So, But umpires, do you want to get the game started and get some cricket? If it doesn't happen, doesn't happen. If it does, it's great. We love what we do and we want to be out there you know, seeing some great cricket play. But, you know, that's what it's all about. We wouldn't be umpiring if we if we didn't want to be standing there and seeing, you know, someone race past and uh, send down a, a lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the last area that needs to be improved the most, Daryl, is the soft signal. That's quite controversial. Um, it was uh, brought in for catches. Um, because of um, if a catch bounced or carried, you can go upstairs and the on-field umpires can do a soft signal and just say if it's out or not out. Um, people don't tend to like that. Some players have called for it to be scrapped. Um, it's sort of like umpires call with DRS, Daryl. If it's out, then it will stay out. If it's not out, it will stay not out because the third umpire needs to have conclusive evidence, that's the key word there, conclusive evidence to overturn the on-field umpire's decision. And many people say, what's the point of an umpire making a soft signal for a catch on the boundary or for a catch in the outfield? Because you can't see it. Um, so many people said, be done with it. Um, so Daryl, should the ICC get rid of the soft signal? Well, that's up to the ICC, but personally, uh, I think it's a good guide for the third umpire. Um, it's made because there's some controversial factor about that particular incident, that, that delivery. If the umpire is unsure about whether the ball's bounced or not, he's, he doesn't immediately give the batsman not out and the game continues. Uh, he makes the decision that uh, in his mind as to what, what he thought was going to go, what, what he thought had happened, and it's referred to the third umpire for conclusion, I suppose. If the third umpire hasn't got sufficient technology, then uh, it goes back to whatever the on-field umpire thought. I wouldn't mind if it was scrapped, to be honest. Um, once the decision's referred, that can be 
there could be a discussion, there could be a direct discussion between the on-field umpire and the third umpire. They're in um, communication all the time anyway. So it would be a very simple matter for the on-field umpire to explain what he saw happen. And the third umpire could explain what was going on as he watched the replay and they could come to the best decision. Um, it's, uh, it's not something I'll lose any sleep over, Jack. Yeah, that's for sure. But what was that like when you consulted your partner? What are you talking about in that? Because often people will see the umpires coming together. What are you discussing with your partner at Square Leg? You're discussing precisely what he might have seen and what you saw and trying to put them together and to get the right conclusion. Um, yeah, teamwork on the field um, is uh, incredibly important. And to an outsider, you just you don't see the communication that's going on all the time between two umpires to try and get every decision right. Um, it's it's vital. It's key. I can tell you, they're not talking about where they're going to be going out to dinner that night. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, we do about... that between overs. Umpires yeah. do that between overs. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Hi everyone. Hope you enjoyed my discussion on some improvements that can make the game of cricket better with Daryl Harper. What improvements do you have for the game of cricket? Be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get the latest episodes of the podcast and like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Also, the podcast is now available on Anchor, Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, keep safe and bye for now.